Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As the saying goes, there are those people in this world that love Christmas music on the radio, and then there are filthy liars. If you don't believe me, then um, hear this. In 2011, Clear Channel Radio, the largest owner of radio stations in the U.S., they switched over a hundred of their radio stations in December to 24-7 Christmas music, and they saw their ratings explode. And then other radio stations took note. And today, the statistics consistently show that radio stations that switch over to 24-7 Christmas music double their ratings, or more than double their ratings during that season. And they also double something else, their income. So now you can imagine, and you can understand why your favorite radio station started playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving. That's what's coming of this world. We the Americans love our Christmas carols, our Christmas music. Uh, because music is nostalgic. It brings us back to a place where maybe that we've been years before. Maybe it brings us back to our parents' living room as a child during the Christmas season. We maybe even build traditions around the music. On the ride to work, we listen to and hum along to joy to the world with our, 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 our tumbler of coffee. Or maybe we have our friends and our family over to watch A White Christmas every season and we sing along with Bing Crosby. We create tradition around music because it's joyful, it's friendship, it's nostalgic, and it sticks. It sticks like crazy, and I don't know why in early March, early March, I still have the Grinch song stuck in my head, but it sticks. And maybe you have the same experience with Christmas music. But this Christmas, I want you to, first of all, as we're getting the Christmas season going, to get a different song stuck in your head. It's maybe a new song to you. Maybe it's an old song, but it's the song that Mary sings. It's the words that you heard just moments ago on the video that Mary speaks from Luke chapter 2. And it's important that we get this song of Mary stuck in our head because this song actually has some depth to it. It's not jingle bells. This song has... What gives to us from God, it shows us where we are at, it, 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 it tells us about our condition, and then it brings us to a new understanding around the manger, a new understanding about what a mother of God was speaking about and thinking about as she held God himself in her human, frail flesh. And you and I can sing this song along with Mary because the Spirit has come into you and come into me through your waters of baptism, sinners that we are, and made a dwelling within us so we can sing out from the diaphragm like Mary does a song of praise and a song of thanks for the God who loved us and gave his life for us. That's the setup to the text in front of us you just watched on the video, but for those listening over the airwaves, the, Mary is a young woman from Nazareth, in the first century, Nazareth is a tiny town. There's nobody notable that comes from Nazareth. She is uh, unmarried, although she's engaged. She's a virgin. And an angel named Gabriel comes to her and tells her she's going to be the mother of God. 
She is blessed, she says, and she runs to her cousin Elizabeth, who lives uh, quite a ways away, and she tells her all that has happened. And Elizabeth greets her, and when Elizabeth greets her, Elizabeth's baby in her tummy jumps for joy at the voice of Mary. Come to find out, Elizabeth is pregnant in a similarly fashionable, miraculous way because Elizabeth isn't a virgin, but she is way past the year where she could give birth. But she's pregnant with John, who would later be a John the Baptist, who would prepare the hearts, who would prepare the way for Jesus to come into this world and do his ministry. Elizabeth tells Mary, you are blessed to carry the Son of God. And then she actually tells her, and you're blessed to believe the promises of God when God tells you promises. And this is how Mary responds. Page 6 in the service folder. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary sings, and I hope that we sing, from a spirit of true worship. Look at that word, my soul glorifies the Lord. My soul, and the soul in the Hebrew language and the ancient understanding, the soul was the seat of emotions, okay? This was the place that you felt happy or you felt sad, where you felt joyful or you were mourning. The soul was that seat where you were hangry or whatever kind of emotion that you had. That was the soul. It was the emotion. And her emotions is the first thing she talks about in the present tense. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. And then she says, and my spirit has rejoiced, the King James says. And I think that's the best translation because in the original language, it's actually the past tense, has rejoiced. And that's important to note. The Spirit is that thing that connects us with other people. That's the Spirit is the thing that connects us with God. The Spirit is the thing that, 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 that shows us our closeness or our wayness to God. That's, that's how our Spirit works. And here's where Mary's Spirit was. Regardless of her emotions, in verse 46, her Spirit has rested. Her spirit has rejoiced in God her Savior. In other words, her connection and her closeness to God is past tense there before she rejoices. Her spirit was raised, perhaps, and it's very obvious in a household where God spoke to her through Scripture. In fact, one scholar looked at these 10 verses right here and counted no less than 15 different references to the Old Testament Scripture that Mary talks about. Do you see where her spirit was resting? Her spirit was resting in the promises of God, the promises that, that, and the truths of God's Word that we hear from the book of Leviticus. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And this young woman wondered to herself, how can I ever be holy? How can I ever be perfect? I know I'm very aware of my inadequacies. I know how perfect God is and what He says in His Word. And I know that I'm a nobody and I'm a sinner. She struggles because she has a wisdom. Her spirit is set up with God and His Word. But here is where her spirit is at as well. It's wrapped up in God's mercy. And so she can rejoice in that. She's wrapped up in those verses that we heard from Isaiah earlier about that lamb that would go to the slaughter for the transgression of my people. He was punished. She was looking forward in her spirit to that Savior that would take away her sin. And so she says this. She says, My soul, present tense, glorifies because my spirit, past tense, has rejoiced in God my Savior. 
This Christmas season, that's an important thing to think about, where your spirit is. There's this thought going around um, the world, the United States, particularly even in Christianity today, that in order to have a connection with God or in order to worship God or feel connected to God, that you, you have to have feelings, like soul feelings, like putting a fleece blanket around yourself and a cup of hot cocoa around the fire type of feelings, and, or, or perhaps having friendships or perhaps having relationships or promotions, or, or, or God is blessing me, and if God is blessing me and I have the right feelings, or I get enough cards at Christmas, then I know that he's really there and he's really present. Wrong. That's not what Mary's talking about here. She says in verse 47, My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. My spirit has rejoiced in the facts of Scripture that have been put on my heart. They've been, they've been ingrained on me, the gospel truth that I have a Savior, and my Savior is going nowhere. And it's not up to us to create feelings or like the rest of the world run around like, our, like a chicken with their head cut off trying to manufacture happiness at Christmas time but it's more to get our spirit right with God around His Word, around His table where He gives us forgiveness and gives us His presence, around baptism where He shows us that He is with us and He's never going to leave us. And the emotions of worship, they're going to come too. The emotions of worship are great. You can feel the warm and fuzzies when you hear the Word of God preached, when you, when you, you encourage each other with the Gospel, and you feel good. And you can rejoice like Mary rejoices. You can say, my soul glorifies the Lord, and the emotion can be there. But it's not the root of worship. The root of worship is the Spirit that God creates in us with His promises that He is our Savior. And that's why Mary says, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. True worship does not begin with my feelings, but on the gospel facts. Verse 48, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Christians, Some Christians today pray the prayer, Holy, Mother, Holy Mary, Mother of God. But if you really look at these verses, you might see that Mary had a very different idea about holiness herself and her God. She calls her God holy. And here she says that she is in a humble state and she calls herself his servant. That humble state that she, she talks about, that's the same word that the Apostle Paul used in, finally, in Philippians chapter 3 to talk about our humble state, our state of sin that we live in, and Jesus is coming back, and he's going to deliver us from our humble state. Well, Mary says here that she is in a humble state, and it's not that she's just from Nazareth or a, a little podunk town, or she's just a little girl, and she's, she's a humble person, but actually is talking about the humble state that she comes from. And she's blessed because of this. She's blessed because although she is in a humble state and she's a sinner, that God would choose to choose her in particular to bless her. That's why she says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. The mighty one had done a great thing for her because the mighty one, that is God, the holy God that she believed in, decided to take on human flesh, frail flesh, and go into her womb. Have you ever thought about that? That God would decide to go into the womb of a sinful woman. And that God had to be birthed by a sinner. And that God relied 
on the breast milk of a sinner, and that a sinner would hold and sustain the life of God. And that person was Mary. I would say that she is a pretty blessed person. Jesus had to take on Mary's flesh, be born of Mary, because Mary is your sister and my sister. Because she is sinful just like you and me. And she needed a Savior to be born and to live the life that she couldn't live, to live live the life that you and I can't live, and die on the cross with frail flesh to give us, like the video said, the perfect Lamb of God to die in our place. And if you doubt that God hasn't blessed you and done mighty things for you just as much, then think about your frail flesh this past week. Think about the things that you have done that you shouldn't have and the things that you didn't do that God was asking you to do as a husband, as a, as a child, as a co-worker, as a boss. But then think about this. God came to you and made his presence with you. And I mean inside of you. He took over your body. He took over your sin. And he wiped it free when he came to you in baptism. And he said, I'm just as happy to come and dwell with Dan as I was to dwell with Mary inside of her because I've given him my spirit. And so you and I, too, can say that we are truly blessed because he has completely wiped away our sins and made his home in us this Christmas through your baptism, through his coming to you and his spirit. He, and that's where he remains. And so we can say with Mary the, the same words that she says, he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. All generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Words of praise. So this Christmas, sing from a state of rescue. Because your God has rescued you and he'll continue to rescue you. She goes on, verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. That was a famous way in the Old Testament to talk about God's power. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but He has sent the rich away empty. This Christmas, as you sing, sing from a stomach that hungers for God's goodness. Maybe you went Black Friday shopping. Maybe you went to the malls. I don't know if you did or if you didn't, if that's your thing or not. I know that when I go to the mall, one of the things that always gets me is that I'm walking along, watching people, walking along, looking at storefronts, and then all of a sudden you turn the corner and you smell cinnamon. Has this happened to anybody else? And I mean, this is a really strong smell of cinnamon that hits your nostrils. And I didn't come to the mall to eat a cinnamon roll, okay? But as soon as that butter and that sugar, and I'm sure that they infused that thing with extra cinnamon smell, and then they put a fan on it and sent it my way, as soon as that hits my nostrils, what am I thinking about? Cinnamon rolls. All of a sudden, I wasn't hungry, and now I am hungry. How does that happen? I didn't fabricate that. That's not made up, but I'm really hungry now. And I have to go here and there and weave through the crowds and I get there and there's a line that's 20 people long at Cinnabon. My whole decision, my whole life, my stomach at that moment was driven 
me all the way to Cinnabon. Well, Mary says that she is hungry and that God has fulfilled her hunger. And this is how it is, looking at these verses 50 to 53, with how God works with his word. Remember, his word is what sustains us. His word is what causes us to worship. When we get a whiff of God's word, we can respond in either one of two ways. And it's described here in these verses, the two ways that we can respond. Either, number one, we can receive God's word, the promises there. We can hear about how holy he is, how perfect he is, how unblemished he is, and then how merciful he is, how graceful he is, how forgiving he is, and we can become angry at God. Because people do become angry at God's undeserved love. People do become angry at God's holiness. People like Pharaoh in the Old Testament was angry that God would set his people free. Pharaoh was angry at God that God was more powerful than him and he fought against God. And what does it say Mary says in these verses? He brings down the mighty from their thrones. But then there's that other way that we respond to God's presence, the whiff of God's holiness, the whiff of his righteousness, the truth that he is completely holy all the time. We can empty ourselves and say, God, I'm not anything close to you. I'm a humble servant. You're perfect and I'm not. And then we can despair and empty ourselves completely of ourselves. But when we get that whiff from God and his word, there's something beautiful about it, as beautiful as a rose. And that's the smell of grace that God gives us through the gospel. It's the smell of grace and forgiveness and acceptance in a transformed life. And when we get a whiff of that, it's like Pastor Dan at the mall. You get a whiff of it, and you're like Nicodemus, and you finally hear that there's forgiveness and that there's a Savior that transforms your life, and you wonder, and you say, I'm hungry for more, and I want to learn more. I want to go, and I want to follow, and I want to be a disciple. A disciple is somebody that learns more and more and more. And your faith and your spirit that Mary talks about, as you learn more and more and more, grows more confident in God's grace, more grows closer to God. Your faith is built up and you feel a communion with God, not based on your feelings, but based on his promises because you've gotten a whiff and your stomach hungers for it. And so this Christmas, as you're running around with all the busyness and you look at things and toys and trees and anything that you find, could find fulfillment in, remember to leave your stomach room. In fact, I'd say empty your stomach to desire God's grace. Because that's what comes full circle at Christmas, is God giving, God giving, 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 feeding, feeding, feeding grace when he gives us Jesus in a manger. Verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Sing from a faith in God who never forgets about you. Up to this time, if you want to make parts to this song, and it's a short song, and it ends really abruptly right there. I'll get to that in a second. Verses 46 to 49, Mary is talking about how God has rescued her personally. And then in the next couple of verses, verses 50 to 53, she talks about how God rescues the hungry and, and defeats the proud. 
And now in these last two verses, she brings it personal to her own nation, 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel, the Jewish nation. And he hasn't forgotten about them, but he's kept all of his promises. Do you remember what, you maybe didn't catch it at the beginning, what Elizabeth said to Mary when she first came into, when, she, when Mary's about to start this. She said, blessed are you because you believe the word of God. In other words, blessed are you because you believe that God will keep all of his promises to you. And here is the promises that God had made to Israel that Israel is waiting on to be fulfilled for thousands of years. For 2,000 years, perhaps, they're waiting for the promise to Abraham to be true. God came to Abraham and he said to him, I'm going to make you, and you don't even have a family yet, but I'm going to make you into a great nation. And through your nation, I'm going to bless all nations on earth. Mary, the Israelite people, were waiting to bless all nations on earth through that promise made to Abraham. And 1,400 years before Jesus, God came to Moses, through Moses, to the people and said, I'm going to raise up a prophet, a great prophet, who's going to speak for God and speak the word of God. And Israel's waiting for this prophet to appear. And a 1,000 years before Jesus came at Bethlehem, God came to David and made him a promise, and he said, I'm going to make you a kingdom. I'm going to put a king here after you that's going to reign forever and ever and ever. Kingdom never end. And he's going to be more powerful than you, David. Israel's waiting for that fulfillment. Mary's waiting for that fulfillment. And 800 years before, as we heard in the earlier reading, God promised that he would send one who would make up for all of Israel's mistakes, who would suffer for all their sins. He would be a servant. And here, Mary says, right here in my womb is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham and the promises to Moses and the promises to David and the promises through Isaiah for the forgiveness of sins. Right here in my womb, I hold God's promise. She brings her song full circle around to the promises that you and I have wrapped up in Christmas as well. If I struggle to believe that I'm accepted, or I struggle to believe that I'm accepted by God because I'm different than everybody else, or maybe I have a different skin color, or maybe I have a different social background, or maybe I'm just different than everybody else, I go back to the promise of Abraham when God said to him, I'm going to bless all nations, all, all nations through this family and through this son and that means you and that means me as weird as I am and when I go back and if I wonder at Christmas time if God has anything to say that's relevant in the world or if he has a voice today in this world that is flooded with opinions I go back to the promise that God made to Moses that there would be a prophet literally one who speaks for God that would be born and when he speaks kingdoms are going to shake. And when he speaks, he's not lying, but he's telling the truth every time, and he's going to come in grace, and he's going to come in truth. He's there at the manger. He's a prophecy fulfilled for you, and he speaks today in his word about all of that. And if I wonder if, if my life is so out of control and I have no control over my finances, I have no control over the situations that I'm in, I have no control over who, 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 where I can and can't be or my work, and, and I feel like this world is not in any kind of my control, well, I can hand the control over to the promise that God made to King David 
that there is a king that reigns today. His name is Jesus. He was born. He died. He rose, and he's in heaven today, controlling all things for his kingdom and all things for me because he loves me, and he's the ultimate king. And if I struggle with my sin from the past, maybe it's a skeleton in the closet, or maybe it's fighting sin today. And I wonder if God actually could forgive even my worst and dirtiest sin, then I'm going to go back to what Mary said, go back to the promises made to Isaiah, through Isaiah, that there would be a lamb led to the slaughter for me. And that comes full circle in the song of Mary, the song that you have on your lips, the song that you have in your mind. Stick it there so that in early March you're still singing it, so that the rest of your life you're singing it. Because her song brings it full circle for you and for me to know that we have what she had, a Savior who's with us this Christmas and always. Amen.